You are listening to sermon audio from Red Tree Church. For more information about our church or to find more sermon audio, visit redtreechurch.com. For the ministry that you are doing in our city through our brother, God, this morning, empower him. Humble us that we might meet you through your spirit speaking through our brother. And God, please put your your blessing, your protection, your providence over our brother, over his family, and over the ministry of his church. God, we believe that you will do this work, so we pray boldly in your name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, y'all. Y'all doing all right? Can you can we just celebrate Jesus together today? All right. I am um, I am super super excited, super humbled to to serve y'all today to to make this drive and and grateful for Sam and Craig and your elders for not only um, entrusting me with the privilege to be here today, but also I celebrate the Lord for you guys for your partnership in the gospel. Paul talks in Philippians 1 about um, thanking God for partnership in the gospel. I want to tell you that Faith Community Bible Church in Baden exists because Red Tree believes in us. Okay. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I ain't trying to say God didn't call us. Right. But it's great. We're so grateful to know that God entrusts people all the way in West County to believe in this hood church in North City. Right. To 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 see Christ made much of. And I'm grateful with with your gifts that you send um, regularly to Faith Community Bible Church is split. Half goes to pastoral salary. Hallelujah. Right. (laughs) And the other half supports um, what we call our faith house. So we had some houses donated to us. Um, one, so we, we didn't have the idea of planting churches and being property managers, okay? It wasn't the idea. People believed in what we were doing and said, hey, we don't have money, but we have a house. Can we give you that? I said, well, let me see it. We walk in it. I said, we'll take it, right? Um, the initial idea was to rent these houses out to use the money for mission. Um, well, one of the houses was in such bad shape that we didn't feel comfortable putting anyone in it, but we still wanted to utilize it. We outgrew our space, so we moved our offices and our discipleship rooms over to this house w- that we call Faith House. And half of what you give helps support that, Wi-Fi books, leadership training, and things like that. So we, so we are raising up leaders. The last time we were here, I think it was right after we launched, and one of the biggest prayers that we had, we said, listen, pray for men. We need men, right? Um, the Lord has answered that prayer, right? We have right now, we had something to celebrate God about, right? We, we have seven guys going through a preaching lab. Um, out of that seven guys going through a preaching lab, four, we, we will keep praying and keep leading and prayerfully out of that four, maybe one or two will plant a church in the future. So, so we, have, we have a multiplication strategy. Um, in place, we are dating our first first um, inside elder, onsite elder in January, Anderson Shelton. So you can be praying for him. And my brother Cortez, who's here with me today, will be ordained deacon in the next month or two. So, so, so we are we are so grateful. I just wanted to give you that snapshot um, of Faith Community Bible Church and what we're doing. I I'm gonna tell you, I'm. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing, and just to be a part of his redemptive plan is amazing, all right? Um, what I want to do is I want to I stick to the task that was given to me and continue in Mark. Is that all right? We will be in Mark 11. I'm going to read verses 12 through 25 
from the English Standard Version, Mark 11, 12 through 25. We say quite a bit that there's nothing more important at any given time than the preaching of the gospel when preaching is an event in which the living word of God is proclaimed in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's just a fancy way of saying preaching matters, right? So Mark 11, begin at verse 12. Here it is. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, when when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. For him, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you've anything against anyone so that your father also, who is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Tis so sweet to trust in you, Jesus. Just to take you at your word is amazing. How great it is to be here in West County today with my brothers and sisters in the faith. God, I'm so grateful to know And just to see what you're doing in this body. And I thank you for this opportunity you've given me to speak in it. I pray, Father, that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My strength and my redeemer. Father, I'm just a broken dude. God, standing to preach your word. Thank you for using broken people to do your work. I pray, Father, for those who are listening today. God, that. You will unplug their ears, open their eyes, defibrillate their hearts. Father, that they may hear you clearly. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. Let the church say amen. 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 Just for a couple minutes, I want to preach from a subject, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. Um, I want to let you know, um, before we get into the sermon at our time today, 
You can go one of two ways, right? I, I think I told y'all this the last time. I think I should probably remind you, right? I can get past, I can get finished in the time that was given. Or we can speed up the process and y'all can talk back to me, right? I don't like quiet rooms. And when it, if the room too quiet, I think folk plotting on me, okay? So, so if I say something you agree with, you can say amen, right? God is good. All right. So so you talk back to me. Worship is participatory, not a spectator sport. All right. Hey, who, who said amen? All right. High five. Uh. All right. Bearing fruit, bearing fruit. Here's the deal. Um, one of the greatest joys that I have in this world is watching people grow into spiritual maturity. Nothing brings my heart more joy than to see people growing in the gospel, to watch people develop from infancy to maturity is something that I never get tired of simply because maturity, spiritual maturity is proof that the Holy Spirit is active in the life of the blood bar, right? I shared these sentiments a couple of days ago with some friends and and we discussed this topic and something began to jump out to me as a sore thumb. While it brings so much joy to see people mature, it brings so much joy to see people grow in the gospel. I wondered, hmm, if we want to see people grow, what's the measuring rod? What do we use to measure growth with, really? Right, right? Because I know like, like, like sometimes we see growth in like, uh, if you come to church every Sunday, that's growth. If you pray for 30 seconds longer than you did the week before, that's growth. What is the measuring rod? I quickly began to see that if I try to measure growth with a broken ruler, my measurements will be off. So if I desire to see people mature, develop, grow in the gospel, then what should our metrics be? What should the ruler be? What is the evidence that growth has or rather is happening in the lives of those who belong to Jesus? The more I began to reflect on this question, I realized that growing in Christ is evident in the fact, watch this, that we ought to be bearing fruit. If you are bearing fruit, listen, don't mistake bearing fruit with perfecting fruit. Because the God that we serve is not looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience. What's amazing about the God we serve, Retrie, is that he's not even looking for perfect obedience. He's just looking for a heart that desires to serve him. Hallelujah. Right? If you belong to Jesus, then you ought to be bearing fruit. You ought to be bearing fruit. We tend to think that because we're knowledgeable, we have lots of information because we know a little bit of Greek or Hebrew, Right. Because we, we just every time they sing Holy Spiritual welcome here, we shed a tear. We tend to think that right because we have all the church terminology on point. That we actually growing a little bit, that we are mature. Well, all of that is well and good. It means absolutely nothing if you aren't producing fruit. 
It does us no good to be grounded firmly and not produce fruit. What I want you to know today, family, is that where there is spiritual growth, there must be fruit. Where there is spiritual growth, there must be fruit. The main point that I want you to see today is that where there is spiritual growth, there must be fruit. Meaning that all genuinely converted, blood-bought believers must bear fruit. You must bear fruit. Now listen, bearing fruit is a phrase um, used to describe the outward actions, if will, that result from an inward condition of a person's heart. Right? We see that in Galatians 5, right? Where he says the deeds or the works of the flesh are evident and gives this long list, right? But then he puts the car in a different, different gear and he says, but... The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. He says, okay, if you don't belong to Jesus, this is what you look like. But if you really belong to Jesus, if Holy Spirit is active in your life, there ought to be some evidence, some fruit, if will, that points to the fact that Holy Spirit is active in your life. So we all must bear fruit. It describes the outward actions that result from the inward condition of a person's heart. In our sinful nature, y'all, we we bear idolatry. We bear jealousy. We bear dissensions and fits of anger. But the fruit of the Spirit, right, that word fruit there brings us back to our English word evidence, right? You can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. I'm a big fan of Christian rap, and one of my favorite Christian rappers is this guy named Mike Real, right? And he says in his song, he says, "Um, you can tell a tree... By fruit that it bears, how you an apple tree producing pears. I mean, it didn't make me hungry, but it made me want to be a rapper. Right, because I think that he was on to something. So many of us try to say that we belong to Jesus. I am a disciple of Christ. But then when we look at your tree, all we see is withered leaves. What's hanging from your tree? I know you want to grow, but are you bearing fruit? As Christians, we want to bear fruit in keeping with our relationship with God. We seek to do things outwardly that demonstrate that we're made new in Christ. But here's the deal. It does you no good to know what to do and not do it. You can't continually shout from the rooftops, I belong to Jesus. But your actions don't show it. People can make their mouth say anything. I know like sometimes it's a hard truth to hear, but I already got approval to leave when I'm done. So I'm going to run out. Right. Y'all have beat me up for talking about rotten fruit. Here's the thing. <laughs> Nobody. If you go to Aldi or or Deerberg's or, you know, wh- wh- wherever you shop here. Right. I don't know. We got save a lot where I'm from. We got all these right. They done sold shopping save. So so we got ruler foods. Right. Wherever grocery store you go at, you wouldn't if you go get a bag of apples, would you buy it? Would you buy it if it was rotten? No. See, Trent, I mean, Trent, like, no, nah, man, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody wants rotten fruit. You wouldn't take in rotten fruit. So tell me, help me understand why if you don't want rotten fruit, why does a sovereign God want rotten fruit? We have got to bear godly fruit. So what's the key to bearing godly fruit? Jesus summarized the answer in this question in John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, 
Neither can you unless you abide in me. How do I how do I bear godly fruit by abiding in the fruit giver? If he if, 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 if our responsibility is to produce godly fruit, then we must stay as connected to the vine as possible. It's a great book that I read a while ago called The Trellis and the Vine. It's a really good book, right? It's one word that I really got from that book, right? One word that really stuck out to me was discipleship. And if we are to grow in Christ, the only way to do it is to be connected to the root. What's the vine? The vine is Jesus. And if you want to produce godly fruit, you have to be connected to him. Bearing fruit in the Christian life requires abiding in Jesus. See, when we are connected and intentional about our relationship with God, we produce the fruit that God cultivates within us. It is God who does the work in us. Our fruit bearing is simply a result of what he does. Did y'all, y'all just missed y'all shout right there. <laughs> Your bearing fruit is a result of not any, it's not a result of what you are able to do, but it's because of what Jesus did. Somebody said what Jesus do. I mean, I know y'all hear this word all the time, the gospel, right? That's the only story in history where the hero died for the villain. And the more and more you embrace that, not just at the moment of salvation, but yeah, yeah, the gospel gives you hope for tomorrow, but it gives you peace for today, right? And if you really begin to embrace that, there's no way you can experience God and not change. There's no way that you can experience Jesus and not change. The more and more you grow in Christ, the more and more you begin to wrap your mind around the gospel, the more and more you want to produce fruit. We must know that it is God who does the work in us. Our fruit bearing is a result of what he does. But here's the deal. We have got to, if we want to, bear fruit. We got to build a relationship with God. We do things like spend time in the word, pray and listen to the Lord, worship God along with others, fast, give our time, treasures and talents to him. Those are some of the things that we do. Some of the things we do not do as to avoid poisoning the relationship on our end, like avoid love. There's no way you can want to bear fruit, but you're giving in the lust. You're going to be, you give in the lust, you're going to produce something. It ain't going to be godly fruit, though. We must actively pursue God, y'all, and flee from that which is sinful. The more we pursue God and flee that which is sinful, the more godly fruit we bear. Here's the deal. With our spiritual growth, there must be spiritual fruit. And all believers must bear Fruit, here in our text, here in our text, we're being taught a lesson about ourselves and maturing. Here we find the story where Jesus returned to Bethany hungry. You ever went somewhere and was hungry? Like, I can only imagine all the work that Jesus did. He go to Bethany like, man, I mean, I'm hungry. With no Applebee's. With no golden arches nowhere, but from a distance, he saw a fig tree. Anybody ever had some fig newtons? Some good stuff. Warm with a little milk. Yeah. 
He looks from a distance and Jesus sees this fig tree in full leaf. He came up to it expecting to find something to eat, but found nothing but leaves. Interesting thing is that he sees this tree and it wasn't even fig season yet. It wasn't the season for figs. He addressed this tree. No one is going to eat fruit from you ever again. Think about this. Jesus enters Jerusalem amid exultation from the masses gathered for Passover. In the morning, as he travels from Bethany, hungry, he spots a fig tree in leaf. See, at this point, I said in in late spring, most fig trees haven't even developed. They haven't developed. They haven't matured, right? They don't have matured fruit. But this particular tree draws Jesus's attention because it was already full and covered with leaves out of season. It was an early bloomer. Its foliage signals that it should have that it should have early figs. Full-grown tree with leaves, but no figs. What broke my heart really studying this text is that it reminds me so much of today's church. And it was heartbreaking because it reminded me, let me be specific with you. It reminds me of America's church. Where the Lord hungry to see people worshiping him, hungry to see people growing in the faith, only to come up to a distance and see people, trees with leaves but no fruit. We, 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 we shout on the fact that we belong to Jesus, but not, but not doing what's necessary to grow in Jesus. With all that expectation, Jesus inspects the tree. He, he's immediately disappointed. All leaves, no fruit. All expectation, but no satisfaction. What if the way you worship God was not satisfying him? What if the way you lived your life wasn't satisfying him? You know what my grandmama used to say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Let me tell you, I don't stand before you perfect. I just stand in front of you as the messenger, heart convicted and all. I just have, right, I think that Sam and your elder set me up with this. <laughs> but here's the deal. When Jesus does this in a shocking turn, Jesus curses this tree and makes it wither from the roots, never to yield fruit again. We're taken back. See, 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 for me, to hear Jesus curse the tree, right, I mean, everywhere else, he gives life. Jesus is a life giver, amen? Everywhere else, he gives life. But right here in the Gospel of Mark, he curses a tree. Wow. He curses a tree, never letting it yield fruit again. We're taking it back, this seems stunning out of character for Jesus. The child welcomer, the compassionate healer, Jesus the storm chaser, but he's cursing trees. Jesus curses the fig tree and makes it wither from its roots for never yielding fruit. How much more will he be disappointed with us if we fail to produce fruit? Jesus looked at the fig tree and he said, may no one ever eat from you again. 
blows my mind looking at this text that that's the only destructive miracle reported in the Gospels. But Jesus meant it here to to give us a picture of God's displeasure with the people who appeared religious, but whose lives remain barren. Interesting. Appearing to be religious, but living a barren life. Scripture, scripture, you says it this way. Having a form of godliness, but lacking the power thereof. Why is it that we think that we can grow, but not produce fruit? The leaves return, but there's no fruit. What good does it do us to appear to be religious, but be spiritually barren? We can quote scripture, have churchy language, talk about how many times we share the gospel. We, we, it's, it's funny, right? Folks, everybody, everybody talking about how much they share the gospel, but we ain't seeing nobody come to Jesus. It's interesting. We can quote scripture, have his churchy language, and even give this idea that we're growing in Christ, but we aren't bearing fruit. What has the church come to that it has to show evidence of, watch this, fabricated fruit? Fabricated fruit. What has the church come to where it can't produce fruit but think that it's healthy because you got leaves all over the place? Think about fruit is that it naturally grows at the same time as leaves. So since there was leaves, there should have been fruit. The leaves point to the fact that the fig tree grew, but there should have been fruit. Since the leaves showed that there should have been fruited, it, it, it was odd that this fig tree had leaves, but no fruit. What am I saying? Well, why do I keep repeating the same thing? Because it should be odd to you that the church has people, but no fruit. It ought to be odd that the universal church is growing in number. But whenever you... If you do your research, you will find out that pornography websites make the most money in the city during the church convention. Have leaves but no fruit. It ought to be heartbreaking that divorce rate is higher in the church than it is in the world. All leaves but no fruit. It's interesting. It's interesting to me. That the universal church reports high numbers. But what breaks my heart is that I believe if if the scriptures is true, then the Lord will come back and say, depart from me. I never knew you. You have no fruit. Listen, family, the more you grow in Jesus, the more fruit you should produce. There should be evidence in your life that shows that you are growing in Jesus. There should be evidence in your life that you are producing fruit the deal. Knowing that we're called and have the responsibility to bear fruit. Let me tell you, we cannot continue to leave it up to the Holy Spirit only to produce fruit in us. Yes, Holy Spirit produces fruit, but you cannot divorce it from human responsibility. You're not called to just, yep, I'm supposed to bear fruit. I know Holy Spirit does the job, so let me sit and twiddle my thumbs. No. You got work to do, church. Remember, when we first moved in Baton, my wife, I, 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 like she ain't here, you recording, you ain't recording, I ain't gonna tell you. All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
Right, my wife, she, uh, she goes on to, I want to plant in the backyard. I said, babe, I don't want to water this. I don't want to, well, babe, I want to plant. Okay, babe, I'm going to get you a plate. I'm going to get you a plant. We're going to plant it. But here's what was interesting. is when I gave her the plant, she never watered it. So it looked like a weed to me. So when I was cutting the grass, <laughs> yes, if you put the soil in there, nature will do its thing, but you have to water it. What am I saying? You got to water your plant. If, if salvation is your plant, you got to water it. How do I water it? With the gospel. You got It's human responsibility. So if we have a responsibility, our text shows us four points. Here it is, four points, four quick points. Then I'm going to go, I promise. Here it is. Our text shows us, number one, that if you desire, right, to bear fruit, you must feed yourself. Must feed yourself. He says in verse 15, right, they came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods to the temple. He was teaching them. It was not written. My house, he said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. But you've made it a den of thieves. When Jesus went up to Jerusalem and went to the temple, the first thing he sees is more fig trees with no leaves. But he walks into the temple, he sees folks, leaves with no fruit. So he says, shouldn't this be a house of prayer? What am I saying? If we want to bear, bear fruit, you know, remember, here's the deal. The church is not the building. The church is the people. And if the Lord dwells in us, then we have to feed ourselves. What are we feeding ourselves? We feed ourselves the word. We're feeding ourselves through prayer. Here's the deal. I always say it, right? If I got two dogs, one on my left, one on my right, which one grow the quickest? The one you feed the most. Do you know that the more and more you feed your spirit, the more and more your spirit will grow? But if you feed your flesh, that's what's going to grow? You have to make sure that you're feeding your spirit. He went to this place of worship. Jesus saw how the temples had been corrupted by thieving businessmen using God's house as a place to buy and sell rather than a place to consecrate themselves. Jesus walked into the temple, flipping over tables, kicking over chairs and putting folk out. To me, I'm just going to tell you that to me, that gives us a green card. If you don't want to grow in the church, then leave. If you hear and you don't want to grow, there's the door. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> what good does it do you to wake up on a Sunday morning to come into the church and not grow in the gospel? If you're not going to do what's necessary to call yourself a believer and not grow in Christ, you might as well stay at home and watch football. You can either not produce fruit there or not produce fruit here, but don't waste time of folks who want to grow and be a distraction. Feed yourself. You want to produce fruit? Feed yourself. You got to feed yourself. See, here's the thing. Prayer and reading the word, God expects us, right, to, to feed our spiritual hunger, right? We have to grow. We got to produce fruit. And the only way you can produce fruit is to eat the word. Eat the word, number one. Here it is, number two. Number two, here it is. If you want to bear godly fruit, not only must you feed yourself properly, but you must surround yourself around the right people. He says in verse 19 to 20, whenever evening came, 
They would go out the city early in the morning as they were passing by. They saw the fig tree withered from its roots. When the event was over, notice, when it was over, they didn't go back to their homes and live in isolation. But instead, they came together early in the morning. They came together. They spent time with one another. They didn't go somewhere else for spiritual nourishment. They didn't find nourishment in isolation. The church came together. What am I saying? If you want to bear fruit, you can't bear fruit on an island by yourself. You bear fruit in community. We need one another. See, this fig tree It didn't have fruit because, right, Matthew's original text makes it clear that this particular fig tree was a long fig tree. Matthew 29, you can read that. It was a long fig tree because fig trees require cross-pollination, meaning that a long fig tree can't produce fruit by itself. And the same is true with believers. Making it, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I guess you don't need gas in your car to run either. Some say, I can worship the Lord on my own. Do you know that worshiping the Lord on your own quickly turns into self-worship if you're not careful? The Bible talks to us about the importance of unity, right? Complete my joy by being of the same mind, right? And uh, Colossians, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together. Psalms 133, how good and sweet it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. But we see a result in Acts 2. Acts 2.42, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and breaking the bread and fellowship and in prayers, and it goes down further. And you see, because they hung out together, Because they did everything together, thousands were added to the church. Why ain't the church growing? Because the church ain't hanging out no more. We ain't in community no more. We picked up this whole idea of community group, but that still turned into some sort of isolation. We got to live together. We got to be together. We got to, if we want to bear fruit, you got to surround yourself around the right people, folks who are going to push you to grow in Christ. Do you know that discipleship works both ways? Not only should you allow somebody to pour into you, but you should also be pouring into them. Surround yourself around the right people. Here it is, number three. If you want to bear fruit, you got to trust God. If you want to bear fruit, you got to trust God. He says in Matthew 11, I mean Mark 11, verse 21, Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it'll be done for him. Let me ask you this. In your life, have you been trusting in God or you've been trusting in yourself? It's funny. How. We've been duped by this world to come up with these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to write a long list of what I want done for me. I'm a, you know, we, we coming up with mottos. I'm going to be clean in 2019. But here's the deal. How about you not write anything down, but you present yourself as a blank canvas to the Father. And you say, God, whatever direction you send me in, Father, I trust you. Somebody said, oh, my God, Michael is gone charismatic. No, I'm going biblical. (laughs) We must trust God. See, true biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. 
unsaved world don't understand true biblical faith. Probably because it sees so little faith and action in the church today. I believe that the world looks the way it does because the church looks the way it does. How about we as a church begin and continually trust God and allow that to dictate to us what the world looks like instead of allowing media to control the narrative? What if the church controlled the narrative? To say, you know what, the only way to make it through this life is trusting God. You know, it's interesting to me, like, like one thing I believe about faith, I believe that faith is a foreign language. And the only way people understand it is if they speak it. The problem in our culture today is that many people don't understand that foreign language, but we are sitting trying to have conversations with them when we do, we don't even understand it because we don't trust. We would much rather put our trust in our jobs, in our 401k, in our stock. But as soon as the stock markets crash, as soon as though the powers that be, quote unquote, right, make a decision, everything crushes. Now we're crying and blaming God. No, you put your money there. Did you pray about it first? When are we going to trust God? We have got to trust God. If you want to bear fruit, you must trust. Where there's no where there's spiritual growth, there must be fruit. All believers must bear fruit. If we want to bear fruit, we must trust the giver of the fruit. We must trust God. Here it is. Listen, church. Bearing fruit in the Christian life is not about doing works or attempting righteousness in our own strength. But rather, it is about intentionally growing in our walk with Christ, inviting Holy Spirit's work of transformation in us, and actively obeying God in all that he's called us to do. And if we want to bear fruit, number one, we must feed ourselves properly. Number two, you've got to surround yourself around the right people. Who are you, who you hanging out with? Do you know everybody you call your friend, not your friend? That was free. <laughs> you must surround yourself around the right people. Number three, you've got to trust in God, the giver of the fruit. Number four, I'm closing. I'm closing. I should have been gone. Here it is. Number four. Here it is. If you want to bear fruit. You got to practice forgiveness. He said it in verse 20, in verse 25, and depending on your translation, it's a verse 26, right? He says it there. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. But if you don't forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. Family, do you know that your fruitfulness is directly tied to your forgiveness. God don't like bitter fruit, so why would he use bitter, bitter people? Walking around 5, 10, 20, 30 years, harboring unforgiveness in your heart at the same time talking about you want to bear fruit. Any fruit that you bear while you're still harboring unforgiveness in your heart is rotten fruit. There's no way that we can experience God and not change. And when you experience God, what God does by the power and work of his spirit is that he rewrites your story, meaning that he cleans your past. Let me give you scripture. Second Corinthians 517. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, come on, say it with me. He's a new old things pass away. All things are made new. Do you know that text applies to your past as well? The only reason why your past still matters is because you make it matter. 
if God made it new, then how, why, why are you saying I want to bear fruit? But you, I want to bear fruit, God, but I just can't let this go. I want to bear fruit, God, but I can't forget about this. God has called you to bear fruit. Start with forgiving. Not only, like, not only forgiving people. See, you got two kinds of people in this world. You got people who have a hard time forgiving others. And you got people who have a hard time forgiving themselves. If God and his sovereignty wants to forgive you, why can't you forgive you? Do you know the biggest barrier in your life that's keeping you from bearing fruit is you? Scripture says it this way. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a direct relationship between our horizontal relationships and our vertical relationship. If we don't forgive others, God will prevent us from being fruitful. But if we ask God to forgive, he'll answer. Let me tell you, where there's spiritual growth, there must be spiritual fruit. You cannot continue to allow the decisions that you make in your life to keep you from bearing fruit. I want you to think about this. How often do you read your Bible? If you came in here today and haven't opened your Bible since last week, it's a problem. You're not bearing fruit at its best. If you're hanging out, spending your time with folks who ain't pushing you to grow in Jesus, and you're doing the same thing, am I saying that we shouldn't hang around people who don't push us? Yeah, you want to hang around them, but you got one conversation you you need to be having with them. You need to be sharing the gospel with them. So yeah, surround yourself around the right people to grow, but also surround yourself around the right people to live on mission. Y'all just missed y'all shout again. <laughs> surround yourself around the right people. Not only that, family, we got to forgive. Ask the Lord today as you respond to x-ray your heart. See what the barriers are in your life that's keeping you from bearing fruit. And trust your life into the hands of God, who's not only able to equip you with what's necessary to bear godly fruit, but to grow you, grow the godly fruit that's in you. Let me pray for us. Come on, Sam. Father, thank you. You've given us this moment, Lord, to to sit in your word, God, and just to reflect on the importance of bearing fruit. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. You would speak to our minds, God, and grow us with you. Grow us in you, God, that we'll be a people who totally represent you. Let us bear fruit. Let our lives be arrows that point others to you. We love you, God, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Red Tree Church. Visit redtreechurch.com for more information.